Hello and welcome to The Stack. For this week's show, we head to France to speak with Marie-Pierre Lanelon, editor of M Le Magazine du Monde, which comes out every weekend with your copy of Le Monde. Plus, Pan Pan, a new zine all about bread. I mean, delicious. While in New York, I also visited Casa Magazines, and we also profile Adventure, all about van culture. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. A busy show indeed, but we start the show talking about the beautiful magazine of French daily Le Monde. M. Le Magazine du Monde is cleverly edited by Marie-Pierre Lannelong, and it's a thing of beauty. We discuss the expansion of the title and also about the new issue, Out Today, a men's fashion special with some great touches. Marie-Pierre Lannelon from M. Le Magazine du Monde. Welcome back to The Stack. A pleasure to hear from you as always. Marie, it's been about, I don't know, two years since we spoke. How's it going? Yeah, I, I think mean, the, two years. Yeah, the magazine's still going very strong. I read it every week. It's a must read. Thank you how, very much. How, how was it during those two challenging years to edit uh, the magazine? Because it, it still feels to me very healthy. There's a lot of pages, a lot of advertising. It seems to me that it's doing very well. It is actually, it is doing very well. I think the first two weeks of the beginning of the pandemic, the lockdown were a little bit hard for us. How to do a magazine without any report, without any shooting. But after two weeks, we realized that it was possible and it was challenging and stimulating in a way, even if we were very happy to go back to normal. And I think it has never been so well. I think the readers are here, especially on the, the digital edition. It grows every week, every month, and we have never had more subscribers and I think also the situation of the press in France but in Europe as well with some very big groups that uh, have made choices to globalization in a way it helped us because we are local we produce every image every feature that we publish and I think it makes the difference and probably it helped us especially to work with the best photographers and stylists in the business in the industry and I think you can make the difference you know because uh, we are a true team with 40 journalists for M Magazine, 500 for Le Monde. So we do a totally fresh and homemade magazine.com and a daily, big daily paper. And I think, yes, I mean, the people, they can see the difference. And I have the impression that in the horrible times that we live in, people, they need serious news they need to be informed they need serious journalism but if i speak about m they also need to read other stories to see beautiful pictures and to see pictures with a meaning you know not just beautiful pictures but pictures that mean something and that 
are relevant in the crazy moment that we live in for more than two years now. Can you imagine how different the situation was the last time we spoke two and a half year ago? That was completely different. It's crazy. It's like pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. But you're right. I mean, people need this sense of hope. And I think the magazine does very well. And you mentioned photography there, Marie. And I have to say, Emily Magazine du Monde, I love that you dedicate pages and pages for beautiful photography. Only in the last issue from last weekend, there was a lovely photo shoot of Paris of the 70s, the design. Oh, that was, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. so beautiful, so beautifully yeah, done. Yeah, that was beautiful. I love it. Yeah. We have changed to have enough money to produce, as I said, it's like a very good dish, you know? It's fresh, homemade, with beautiful ingredients. Sorry for perhaps you, you will be shocked by what I say, but really it's it makes a big difference. We work with photographer, very good journalists, the best photographers, the best graphic designer, you know, so we have the change to be able to do that because we have budget and we, we have the freedom to do that. So we have to do our best because so many journalists, so many magazines don't have the chance to do that in this period. So we enjoy working, actually. We enjoy publishing the magazine every week. It's great. What does the magazine mean for Le Monde in general? You know, is it quite important for them to have that brand because as i said i can see every issue there's a lot of advertisers as well so how important is m for le monde i think it's important of course you mentioned the advertisement of course it is uh, it is important for le monde because it helps le monde to be a very serious actor of the fashion industry and it is so because they edit the m le magazine du monde of course but also i think and especially during those two crazy years, I think it's also important on an editorial side. And we saw that with the pandemics. After the first weeks, even if we were able to produce feature on the situation, and we are able to produce feature on the war in Ukraine as well, they were very happy to offer the readers other stories on other subjects, beautiful pictures. And I think it's, that's also a very important thing. And we experiment during those two years that our readers, they also want to have feature on lifestyle, on food, on design. They also need that. They, they come to Le Monde to read a feature on politics, on international politics, on on the situation, but I think M helped Le Monde to be a strong brand on lifestyle as well. And that's why we decided to edit with M, Le Magazine du Monde, uh, a new supplement three times a, a year, 100% lifestyle, and it's called Le Goût de M, The Taste of M. And it's a new brand, like a little brother of M, just on lifestyle. 
And I think we, we help Le Monde also on the editorial side. And it's exciting about this expansion on, on the new supplement. I did have a look at your first edition. It looks beautiful. Mm. I mean, and you're right. It's kind of, it's about the pleasures of life, you know, a nice restaurant, a nice uh, designer doing something beautiful. And mm -hmm. I think you've done beautifully. And Marie, before we talk about this weekend's edition, which is, uh, I've seen the covers, it's all about men's mm. fashion, super mm -hmm. interesting. What's, what about the elections? How are you planning to cover that? Because of course, the news will be done for Le Monde, but in terms of the election, what's the vibe? Because of course, probably we'll go for the second round and then there will be a kind of a scope for some stories from there. It's already the third presidential election that I live at Le Monde. And I must say that it's probably the least interesting one. <laughs> And I must say that we haven't done too much on this election, but it was not a decision that we made. We are not Le, Le Monde, we are not the daily. So we go on fields only if we have very good stories or very good subject, or you know what I mean. And I must say that this election was so strange, even before the war, so strange and the political situation, I must say it was not so inspiring for us at M. So we were not so good on this election because the debate was so strange. You know, we didn't talk a lot about the true subject, environment, ecology, but we talk about, I mean, the politicians, they talk about the immigrants. We had a one very xenophobic uh, candidate and another one who tried to pretend she wasn't. The president, Macron, came very late in the race. The other candidate of the traditional party, the Socialist Party, the Republican Party, and even the ecologic, the Green, the Green Party, Les Verts. I don't know why, but they were very, very weak. So this election was very strange. And then the war happened. So it was, uh, you know, after that, it was so strange. So we were not too much into the election because we were not able to find so many good stories to write about and because what we do it's we are totally leaded by the the situation it's the society it's the news it's the actuality which led us to the stories you know it's not what we decide we can decide something, but M is totally the reflect of the situation of the country. And uh, the big story that we had was one on the young people, because we, we, we saw that a lot of young people, they say in the polls, they say that they don't want to vote, but at the same time, they don't want to go, they don't want to vote, but they have strong commitments in the LGBT movement, in the ecology, you know, they are political, 
but they don't want to vote. And that's a, a strong contradiction. And that's what we did in January. I don't know, perhaps we, we should have done another feature this week to see if they've changed their mind or not. But I'm sorry, but we didn't do that much on this election because this election was very strange and not what we experiment. But it's interesting. Before. It's interesting, Mary, because of course we're going to talk and very about very depressing and very yes. depressing, probably. But in a way, again, that sense of hope. I was looking at the new edition this weekend, which is all about men's fashion. And again, I do think there's a political side to what you guys are doing because, for example, the new issue. Apparently, all the models they are all from kind of yeah. Arab, Arab, Arab origin, and it's great. You know, in a time where France has two kind of very strong candidates on the far right. It's quite good that you guys are like, you know what, let's show you off. Can Perhaps you can consider that it is a way of talking about the situation of France. That's right. It's uh, the special men's fashion, but it's not the usual special men's fashion, you know. It's uh, Karim Sadli, who is a French fashion photographer, one of the best of his generation. He is a Frenchman, but uh, born of an Algerian uh, father. And the stylist is Carlos Nazario, who is uh, also very committed in the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States. And they came to us at the beginning of this year and they said, okay, we want to do a big stories with only Arabic models, especially from Algeria, Tunisia, and Morocco. And as you know, this community is very strong in France because of our colonialist past. And also they were on every conversation of the candidate. And we have a problem of the multicultural aspect of France. Uh, those candidates are xenophobic, are racist, and tend to explain every problem of France with this community and to put the blame of everything on this community. And they forget, of course, the true problem that we have. And that's the first point. And the other point is we are in, a, in an industry where since two or three years, diversity is trendy. And you see on every casting, every shows, every campaign, and even every fashion story, you come with a black model or a, an Asiatic model. But not a lot of Arabs model. And in France, it, it is particularly strange because those people, this community isn't represented by the fashion industry. We ignore them. Yes, I mean, if the fashion industry wants to be diverse, as they all claim, all the, the fashion houses, we have to be complete and we can't ignore this community anymore, especially for those young people who are consumer and who can say, okay, I can't see anything in those fashion story or campaigns. I can't see anyone looks like me 
or anyone who represents me. And that's what we did with these uh, 40 pages uh, stories with those models. Some are professional models, some are actors, some are just young people in the street, uh, students, or, and one of them is Ashraf Hakimi, uh, a very well-known soccer player. Thank you, Marie-Pierre. And M. Le Magazine du Monde is always a must-read every weekend with your Le Monde. Stay in France. We have a new zine about Brad. Oh, yes. Pampan is a print publication looking at the staple and its consequences. It is designed and edited by Thomas Grunberg and the creative studio Faye and Gina. Let's find out more about it. To start from the from the beginning, from my side, I've, I've been working in food and restoration and stuff like that, like for a long time. And like everything that gravitates around the table, like it's very exciting for me. And uh, Pampin is born like during the first lockdown. First of all, like Rocio, Elena and me, like we are friends, like really big friends. And uh, we, we work together sometimes. And during the first lockdown, like I've been living as a baker. Most of the time, I've been like baking every day and getting crazy about bread. And I thought like, maybe like we should do something. We should do like, I didn't know what to do at the beginning, but I wanted to do something about bread. And I directly asked to, to Elena and Rocio if they wanted to do something together uh, because they are like amazing graphic designer and uh, I don't know a clue about this thing. So they were the perfect person to do this project with me so they said yes straight away so it was kind of very exciting period because like we had like no limit no border so we could do whatever we wanted on a very strange and uh, lively subject which is the bread and uh, we had like so many things to say so many things to show so it was like very interesting to work on it and first of all also during the lockdown because it was a very exciting in a way period and very uh, very exciting like creatively so yes that's how Pimpin has been born and I want to know from uh, Rocio and Elena as well you know I know you have a creative studio is it your first experience with kind of a, a magazine or a zine or a publication or is that something that you both already had some sort of experience with? Um, no, not at all. We've always liked to do independent publications. And this was not the first one. Um, we have our own magazine talk, who talk about free time and we are doing more commercial like fashion magazine. I've done before like other uh, fanzines, but more like photography fanzine mm -hmm. focused. So this was the first time that we did a fan scene which had all the content that it has like we took the the confinement let us to have the time to, co to concentrate on all the content that we wanted to put and so we wanted to, to to be very large like bread can be seen as a very like niche theme but uh, we we try to find a very large uh, themes about it so we can go from photography uh, literature poetry and that is how yeah that is how we made it and i want to ask you know back to thomas 
What type of stories can we find in the magazine? I have issue two here in front of me. It's fascinating, but is it kind of profiles of bakers or do you want to think a little bit also left field? Because it's not just recipes for bread, although there are some as well, which is quite useful. <laughs> yeah, the thing is like in like the, the literature, you can find like, I, first of all, I'm not a baker, I'm not a farmer, I'm not a, a miller, uh, I'm not a professional about bread. So I have like no expertise to, to pretend to do a book with all recipes and stuff like that. So if you check in Pimpin, like there is no much bread at the end. It's much about like stories and things like surrounding bread. But as uh, Elena and Rosso said, like many things, it's like photography, it's like politics, sociology, religion. There is some kind of big diversity of type of paper because there is like very interesting in a way paper, like very serious paper. Uh, and there is like some that or like more like a joke or like funny thing. We wanted to have a very large spectrum of type of papers. Like we talk about like science, we talk about like the essence of the bread, of the wheat, of the whatever subject. Uh, we talk about like history, we focus on bakers, we focus on farmers. We have some poetry, very nice poetry. Uh, we have some pictures. We talk about like Jewish bread, like everything that crosses our minds that can be connected to bread has some space in the in the in the zine. That's uh, the thing is we have no borders and maybe uh, that's why we can like talk about like so many things inside. I think bread in it, it's in our everyday life and so we want to talk about a lot of subjects very organically, you know, and uh, yeah, culture, art, sociology, politics, yeah. So it's, as a French person, it's in our mm. area. Yeah, that's, a, that's what I was going to say, Elena, that, I mean, especially for France, I think bread, it can be political. It's not just kind of bread. It means a lot to people, right? More than in quite a few countries, I would say. And it's about sharing, you know, sharing our bread with family, friends, people that we know, don't know. And it's not about only friends because bread exists in every culture. So this is what is interesting too. And I think we want to open the minds about bread because bread for us is like a baguette, you know, or something really, uh, or a meat like very big, but in other cultures, it's very interesting too. So we tried, yeah, I think through bread to talk about a lot of very interesting subjects that we all live, you know. I want to ask something very simple to all of you. Perhaps I'll start with uh, Rocio. So what's your favorite bread? I mean, and when I say favorite bread, it could be anything. You can tell me a sandwich or, or the name of a type of bread. Good question. Yes, it's difficult maybe, actually. <laughs> it's kind of difficult. I mean, yeah, it's difficult. a bread that is uh, typical in the north of Spain, uh, which has, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Explain it's moment, uh, maybe. Huh? But it doesn't have a special name. It's just the, it's just the bread that, that has the, the the inside is very condensed and very uh, very light and very condensed. What about you, Elena? <laughs> For me, I have a a brunch with you know a big bread that I cut in big uh, slice and then I put like butter on it. And for me, it's a moment where I take time and I really enjoy it. And so, yeah, it can be, I don't know. I don't know. It's more a moment, you know, in the morning where is a bit of sun and then 
you have your big bread and you eat it. I don't know. I think I have the same thing as Elena. Like I, I like like big rustic bread, and I like to I like I like a tartine with a very very thick slice of of uh, butter on it. Like yeah, I don't like much baguette, but I like like big rustic bread with a lot of taste, big crusts, uh, smoky taste, stuff like that. I also like as we come from south of France with Elena. I like also like the fougas. Uh, it's a very yeah. typical bread from south of France, uh, which can be uh, uh, with olives, olive oil, herbs, stuff like that, which is very nice. But it's also about the smell of it. You put it in the oven or whatever, then you have the smell and then you eat it. You, Fernando, what's your, what's your favorite bread? I have to say it's something that's called, it, it's funny because in, I'm from Brazil, it's called French bread but it's actually not French. So it's actually a Brazilian version of the baguette, which is a bit fluffier and smaller. So I think it was brought by some French immigrants to Brazil and I love it. It's, it's something you can only find in Brazil and it's quite fluffy. Think of a baguette, but a little bit kind of with a softer texture, you know? So I think that's my favorite one with butter. Okay. Very simple, very simple. One thing I'd like to ask you guys is, well, I, I saw you have a shop. I think there's some beautiful products. Even, even here, the, the pochon à pain. It looks so cute. Uh, tell us a bit more about this kind of, you know, it's not only the magazine, there's also kind of a shop. Uh, who is responsible for that? All of you, I presume. Yeah, all of us. I, at the beginning, I think we wanted to do like some fake advertising, like faking products and stuff like that. And we ended doing them properly. And for the first one, uh, I used to sometimes do artisanal like craft gin and uh, we had the idea to do like gin uh, infused with bread, with burnt bread. And, uh, and uh, the girls arrived with like kind of so cool advertising, the things like we, we liked so much. And uh, we sold like the bottle in a minute, but we didn't do much. That's why. And after we decided to create like one product each issue, we would create a new product. So the first one was the gin and the second one was the, the bread portion. <laughs> to keep your bread safe. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know which one is going to be the next one, but we think about it. And what's the best way if somebody is listening to this and want to buy a copy of Pumper? I mean, you have some stockists or you can buy on your website. What's, what's the best way? We wanted the, the zine to be available in bakery and online and our favorite stockists. And we'll see after, you know, it, we just want it to be easy. For the moment, it's still in French. We, we were questioning ourselves if we should or we would uh, translate it into English and do it in both languages. But like still, we don't have answer to it but maybe we should do it because like i've been sending a lot of pimpin like around the world so i think like maybe some people who don't speak french would be interested and issue two of pimpin is out now and listener recently i went to new york for a week on holiday but of course i had to visit the city's iconic mag stores such as soho international and iconic magazines but one was very special to me Casa magazines, with an impressive array of titles. I was delighted, and while buying a copy of the New York Times in one of their tote bags, I did a short interview with the owner, Mohamed Ahmed. After COVID, we are doing a little bit much better than before. 
like since two, three years before. Mm -hmm. So now we are doing much better than after that we started these hoodies and then bags and then t-shirts. That is helping a lot. I think it's a great idea. I'm buying one, actually, in <laughs> fact. So it's a good... And Hopefully we'll stay in business. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because there's still a need for print, especially in New York. There's less and less newsstands. Right, if you look, exactly. I was because, looking at Times Square. Because, okay, because of the internet, print is going down, mm. but still people, those who are like interested in the magazines, they are coming to here because so many stores are gone. Only few stores are left in Manhattan. And which type of magazines or newspapers sell well here? Yeah, like, like a decoration magazines and fashion magazines. That is the major business. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, business and science and this and a little bit. What about newspapers? New York Times sell well? No. They are pushing all to subscriptions. Everybody, they are trying to mail the customer to at home. And then, uh, what do you call every Most of the people, they are looking online. New generation. But you're becoming a bit of a destination. I think in your shop is not only New Yorkers. You have people that come all from the, all over the place, no, right? But, uh, yeah, all around the customer, but they buy the magazine, decoration magazine, fashion magazine, but not newspapers. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, it's a very beautiful shop. And how do you select new titles? Do you have a browse or people send magazines to you? No, no, because I browse, I contact with the distributors, mm -hmm. whatever they get the new one, I'll try to get the magazine. What's your favorite magazine or what do you like to read? What do you like to read? <laughs> the famous magazines is a self-service, Purple Fashion, and uh, Fantastic Man, and Gentleman. That's fantastic. I used to work at Fantastic Man <laughs> a long time ago, actually. Well, that's fantastic. doing good, Fantastic Man. Yeah. Well, Mohammed, it's just a quick chat, but it was lovely talking to you. Thank Very you so much. much. Yeah. Try to stay in business, try to keep it in business. Exactly. And now I'm going to buy... Okay. Some, some stuff with you as well. Thank you. Thank you, Mohammed, and see you in my next trip to New York. Finally on the show, another delightful title. In its issue 7, it's called Adventure. And yes, as you can see from the title, it talks about van culture around the world. Let's hear from the editor, Alex Brown, who spoke with me a little bit before heading to another trip on his van. So in a nutshell, yes, it is, it's become like a global kind of yeah, interest in phenomena in the last two years, but it goes way further back. I mean, we've got stories in the latest issue for people back, back in the, the hippie 60s and 70s traveling around. So we haven't discovered anything uh, new here. I think it's just like a resurgence that we're uh, enjoying right now. But for me, I actually got introduced to van life or road tripping or bus life whatever you want to call it back in about 2006 2007 i was traveling the usa as a professional kite surfer so i grew up on the south coast of england got a little bit good at kiteboarding um, when i was about 16 got some sponsors and they flew me over to america where we traveled around in a big uh, 40 foot tour bus so that was kind of my introduction to uh yeah this this kind of road tripping scene and when did the idea to, to make a magazine about that came out? Because I, I got to be honest, I think yours is the first magazine about the topic that I came across. Uh, and, and I think it looks quite beautiful as well. It's not just kind of a, just a commercial title, things to buy if, you, if you're in a van. There's really beautiful stories in it as well. Yeah, to the idea of the magazine, really, that's about what well, we first published two years ago, just gone. I had the idea for about a year before that, my, my partner and I, we kind of built the idea 
up. So it's about three years old, the idea. I mean, van magazines, especially in the UK they're, they're, and Europe, there are so many camping magazines and auto magazines, but really they're mostly like glossy titles. I wouldn't really call them titles. They're, they're high street magazines on kind of glossy design, more, more throwaway. They're like monthlies, so that they are full of advertising, quite quick stories, in my opinion. So we wanted to produce something that was more timeless, more coffee table style journal. So yeah, really it's all about long form stories of people who are yeah really out there on the road, the adventures that they get up to, the places they go, the people they see. And we published that in a really nice uh, journal now on uncoated paper. Um, I love the, the look and feel of the, the new redesign that we've got. Yeah, in, in a nice size format. It was slightly smaller, our issues before, issues uh, four to six, they were printed in like digest size. So we've opened that up a lot bigger in this new magazine, measuring you know, about 255 millimeters by 197. So when you get it in your hands, you really get, yeah, these amazing uh, photos, like we do some big double page pictures in there that it's just so nice to look at these not on a computer screen, but actually in real life. That's that's my big takeaway, really, for it. And by the way, I have to say, I have issue seven in front of me. The cover is beautiful. Tell us a bit more about the cover. It's it's like a van in the middle of a national park in the evening. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, definitely early evening. Uh, I would say this is, is quite cool, the, the colors in it. This was shot by a Leica ambassador photographer up in Finland. And as soon as I saw this photo, I thought, that is the perfect image for us to come back and relaunch the magazine with. I love the kind of mysteriousness of this picture and then the headlights lighting up that path in front. And it just gave me that, you know, that real uh, feeling of, I just want to get out there in my van and just drive down that road and see what's at the end, you know? I mean, I'm browsing here the magazine while talking to you. I mean, there's some really beautiful, <laughs> yes. There's some beautiful ones. I think this story here called Taller, on page 36 mm -hmm. and 37, what a beautiful van, actually. Is that an old one, a vintage one? Ex explain to me for, because I'm, I'm not an expert, you know, Alex. No, 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 that's fine. Yeah, Taller. So that's, um, yeah, that's a little bit of a play on words there. I, I live in Barcelona. My, my Spanish is shocking, I have to be honest. But Taller, our word for workshops here, this is a nice regular feature that we have where we feature um, some build or DIY project, or a conversion that somebody has taken upon themselves. Ben here, he's a, he's a French guy, and he bought this really nice Volkswagen, we call it a T3 or, or a Model 3, that was around uh, in the 80s. So it's not as old as those nice split screen buses that you're used to seeing, um, you know, cruising down California or the ones in South America, for example. But really, this, that's a great example that you pulled up there, Fernando. Like, the T3 is basically a really iconic vehicle in this adventure van life world that mostly we're writing about here. Um, that's the one I'm going to buy, Alex. That's <laughs> what I want as well. I mean, I'm born in 88, so I really want to find a nice example built in, yeah, 88 one day. If I may ask, which one do you have? And, and, and if you do... And, and the one you have, do you go on, on road trips? I mean, wh what's, what, what do you do now with your van in a way? Yeah, my girlfriend and I, we have been, oh, long, long, long story, maybe for another time, but we've, we've been traveling together for 10 years. We actually left Europe when we, when we met. She's from Germany, I'm from the UK. We've traveled all around parts of Asia, Australia, New Zealand, 
prior to that, I had done North and South America, lots of Europe. Then we, a few years ago, traveled back to Europe and ended up in Spain. And in all of these countries and destinations, we have had vans, um, cars in a couple of places that we have traveled in. Some have been done up a lot nicer than others, but really it's just a means to be able to travel around, look for an adventure and have somewhere to sleep and cook when you kind of get back at the end of the day of hiking or biking or something. Now we actually have a, it's not new by any means. Um, it's a 2007, but it's such a nice Volkswagen that we have. It's a proper camper van with bed that pulls out of the back seats and it's got a cooker inside a power system so really we've got everything in there that we need to just be comfortable traveling around and also working from the road uh, the best thing about kind of this lifestyle especially with the magazine now is it enables me to be able to work from pretty much anywhere uh, we just need some power and a internet connection and we're good to go and tell us about the magazine clearly it's a very beautiful magazine is uh, you know who, who are buying the magazine i mean is it kind of do you sell to a couple of new stands around the world? Do you do subscriptions? Tell us a bit more about that side of things. Yeah, so in the beginning, really, I had a bit of a change of career area. As I said, I started as a professional kite surfer. That's about 15 years ago now. And I was never amazing at the sport, but I worked a lot with magazines and photographers. So that's kind of was my entry point into understanding media. Uh, then I kind of took a step back from the sports side of things and worked in uh, digital media, shooting and producing uh, video material for big corporate brands for about 10 years. And then, yeah, really just before uh, coronavirus took its hold in Europe, we launched issue one of Adventure Magazine, which was a digital only uh, magazine at the time. And really, I launched that to zero network. I, I had no following on Instagram or no profile of people following me anywhere. So it really was down to a case of spreading um, the website in as many places like Facebook groups as I could and just building a very small uh, email subscription list. And I think we launched the initial magazine or released it to like no more than 200 people on a mailing list. But I was so happy because somebody actually wanted to, you know, download and read the adventure magazine. And today, we are finally stocked in shops all around the world. I just got an updated stockist list, actually. Um, we're in New York, Los Angeles, uh, multiple shops in UK and Europe. We're even out as far as places like Japan and Taiwan, uh, even South Korea. And it's just that's mind blowing to, to think that really there's people yeah, that are interested in reading what we're you know, putting on these pages about just people traveling and enjoying their time in their van. And, now we've got readers all around the world. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Do you feel it's a, a tight-knit community in a way? I mean, because this kind of, is there a van community, for example, even in Barcelona where you're based? There is. I think, though, the nature of what van life is or traveling by van, it's very personal, actually. I think, like, it's really hard to explain. There are scenes, so for those that, for example, like into yoga, you'd find a lot of people that probably travel by vans or cars to go to, to events or festivals and, and the, where there are a lot of other like-minded people. I actually see a lot more people at places like ski fields uh, on the mountain 
the car parks here, so like the Pyrenees or the Alps, they're just full of people in camper vans in the winter. So you have this scene of people using their vehicles to go and do their adventures or their sports. But I think in Europe, it's not overly people getting together. It's more couples or people doing it on their own or small families. Whereas in America, I think there's a lot more of a culture of people kind of traveling in smaller groups, maybe together. There's a few that I've seen recently that travel down from the Pacific Northwest area down to Baja, Mexico. And they do this uh, trip every spring, I think it is. And then they'll go away all their separate ways for the rest of the year and meet up again the following year. So I think, I don't know, I think it's just personal, really, what, what you're into and if you have other friends that do it or if you prefer to, to go out and do it alone, really. Thank you, Alex. And issue seven of Adventure is out now. That's it for this week's show. My thanks to our editors, Nora Hall and Chris Ablacqua. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fpandmonaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at the same time. And meanwhile, you can always listen to it again at monaco.com or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Before we go, a little song for you. It's Brad with Make It With You. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Every little thing only time will tell